Today we're going to look at what it looks like when we say yes. And when we have life in the Spirit. We've been talking about the ministry, the marvelous ministry of the Holy Spirit. As we've been meditating on this triune God, this God who is one person. Well, one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this year, we've been just standing back in awe at God, learning about how these persons, how this Trinitarian God, how they relate to each other, and how they impact our lives and change our lives. Last week, we looked at the ministry, of the marvelous ministry of the Holy Spirit two weeks ago by looking at John 16, and we, we learned together and reviewed together that the Holy Spirit, when he comes into a person's heart, he gives them life. He regenerates them. He gives them a, a new passion, and he does that by convicting that person of sin, giving that person a new vision of what it means to offend God. He convicts that person of what it means to be righteous by pointing us to the righteousness of Jesus who was ascended into heaven, and he convicts us about the coming judgment. And not only does he convict us, but he also begins to counsel us. He begins to lead us deeper and deeper into the truths of God's word. And as we learn those truths and as we look at Jesus, he gives us the courage and he gives us the desire to praise Jesus as our champion. Today we're going to look at what it means day to day to live in the spirit to have life in the Spirit. We'll look at how the Holy Spirit is, and when a person's been saved, they no longer live a natural life. They no longer live a, a life of, of, of personal strain and impersonal strength, but now they are able to do supernatural things because they have a supernatural God on the inside of them, even though they themselves is an ordinary person. So we're going to look at that today by going to Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 13. Romans chapter 8 is one of my favorite New Testament passages of Paul's letters. Uh, it is my, my favorite chapter of the 13 letters that the Apostle Paul preached. If someone was to put me on an island and say, you only get one chapter from Paul's letter, what chapter would that be? I would say, give me Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 1 through 13, the precious, authentic, sufficient, inerrant, beautiful, majestic, perfect, pleasing word of God reads. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot 
please God. But you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at today's text, and as we talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, we want to we want to be honest that a lot of times, even for Christians, he, the Holy Spirit, he is a person, not an it. He is often ignored in our lives. You know, we feel fine when we talk about Jesus or God the Father, but when we talk about the Holy Spirit, for a lot of us, it's just mysterious. The Bible says some bold and some beautiful things about the Holy Spirit. Beautiful things that should encourage us to live a life that Christ has set apart for us with freedom. But sadly so, we don't tap into that. We read things about the Holy Spirit and and we just kind of leave it there without doing anything about it. In fact, for most of us, when we hear the word Holy Spirit, we think in two extremes. We think either either about the the Holy Spirit as this uh, crazy, raging spirit that takes charge of people's body and that makes them do weird dances in church and, and say weird things and run around, right? Or we think about the Holy Spirit as just a, a myth, a, a legend, an impersonal force that may or may not really exist. If we are going to live the lives that God has ordained and intended for us to live as believers... We must know the Holy Spirit personally. We must commune with him. We must trust him, and we must depend on him daily. John 6, 63 says that the flesh has no power. Only the Holy Spirit can give life. And some of us, our Christian lives are, are drudgery. They're, they're heavy. They're, they're so hard, and we barely see victory in them because we, if we've been redeemed, we Don't depend on the Holy Spirit and live in him. Paul is going to show us three benefits. There's a lot in this text, a lot of different ways that we can look at it, but we want to look at it from this perspective. Three benefits to the Holy Spirit in this text. We want to see that the Holy Spirit gives three things that should radically shape us as a church and as the people of God. And if you do not know God today and you're, you're present, I pray that you would see the Holy Spirit, that you would see him and what he gives to believers so that you would be drawn to him, by him, for the sake of God. First thing that we see that the Holy Spirit gives us is the Holy Spirit gives us freedom, freedom from condemnation, freedom from condemnation. Look how the Apostle Paul starts in verse 1. He says, there is therefore 
now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Paul tells believers, those who are in the church, that the spirit has set us free. And what has the spirit set us free from? The spirit has set us free from a life of condemnation. He has set us free from from a life of condemnation. See, as Christians, we are are free to live in a way that doesn't carry shame or guilt. We sin and we fall short and we make mistakes and we do things that we we should not do. but, But even in the midst of those things, we can repent and turn to Jesus, look to Jesus without feeling shame and carrying around guilt. That is a gift of the Spirit. When God saves us, he takes us into a new relationship. He takes us into a new realm. And the only way that you can live without condemnation and guilt before a holy and righteous God is if you are in Christ. Is if you are in Christ. Is if you belong to Christ. Look at the verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who are in the body of Christ, who are now a part of Jesus. What freedom. Sadly, so many Christians, we we don't live in that freedom. Sadly, so our our sin and the things that we've done wrong, they keep us in, in bondage. And we're not free to minister in the spirit and free to live for Christ because we're constantly thinking about ourselves. We're constantly thinking about our failures and our shortcomings. We're constantly thinking about why we're not worthy to share the gospel with others or or talk to people about Jesus. But what we fail to see is that when, when the Holy Spirit came into our lives and gave us life, he now gave us a, a new law, a new way. And it's a way of not being condemned. That is freedom. This is an amazing text because the Apostle Paul understands that freedom. He understands it so much that what he says in chapter 7 confuses people and says, no, he can't be talking about himself. Look at chapter 7, verse 14. A lot of people do a lot of weird things with chapter 7. Paul here is is talking about the, the normal struggle of a Christian, the everyday war that's going on inside of a Christian's heart. And he is speaking in first person because I believe that he is reflecting on his own struggles at times. And he's saying, I'm not perfect, you all. I sin and I fall short and I make mistakes as well. But this is how I handle them. People do very weird things with this text. They say, oh, the Apostle Paul was reflecting on when he wasn't saved. Or, oh, the Apostle Paul was trying to talk and step into other people's world. The Apostle Paul doesn't deal with sin, and he didn't deal with it our way. No, the Apostle Paul was not Jesus. He was a man that was inspired by God to to write the Bible and to do extraordinary things, but there were struggles in his own heart. Look, Look at what the text says, verse 15, for I do not understand, verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, 
but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what was right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not, Want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what's right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man am I, who will deliver me from the body of death? You ever feel that way? If you don't, you're lying. He asks, who's going to deliver me? Look at the next verse. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So Paul talks about the struggle of the believer and how he how he's falls short and he sins. But then it, it shows that Paul's antidote is not selfism, it's not himself, it's not his good works, it's not him getting up saying, oh, I'm going to deliver myself and be a better person, but he rather, he says, no, thank God it's Jesus who can deliver me from this struggle. See, a Christian is free. Because a Christian understands, hey, I can't change myself. Jesus can. And instead of moping and pouting and going into despair, I'm going to look to him. Verse number one, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you just imagine him shouting it? He says, when I fall short and when I sin because the spirit has given me life, I can now live a life free of condemnation. Verse number two, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Now, when Paul talks about the law in the book of Romans, he talks about it in a number of different ways. One, he talks about the overall, the Mosaic law. Two, he talks about sometimes just the moral law, which is more like the Ten Commandments. Sometimes he's talking about the ritualistic law, which deals with the rituals that, that Jews had to keep. But here Paul is not talking about uh, either of those things. He's, he's thinking of the law in terms more of like the law of gravity. It's something that just he sees that always happens. It's, it's the, the authority of, of, of the things that have been put in place. So Paul says that now I am no longer, look at what he says in verse 4, for the, the law of the spirit of life has set you free. You are now free from condemning yourself and living in guilt and shame in Christ Jesus. Why? From the law of sin and death. See, there was another law before Jesus came. And that law said that those who sin, if we sin, when we sin, when we fall short, that the wages of sin is death, the penalty of sin is death. That sin equals death. But Paul is saying you've been set free because the spirit of life, which is the Holy Spirit, has come into your life and given you a new set of laws, a new rule. And that new set of law, that that new rule, is that you are forgiven and that you're not condemned. 
Verse 3, for God, why am I forgiven? Why am I not condemned? For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Man, this is amazing. So Paul is able to be transparent. Paul is able to say, listen, I don't have it all together. Sometimes there's a deep war going on and I end up doing or saying something I know I shouldn't say. But then he says, I'm going to look to Jesus and put my faith in Jesus. And guess what? I'm not going to live a condemned and shamed life because of what? Because I'm in Christ. Because I'm under a new law. And why am I under that new law? I'm under that new law because Jesus did something says God did something. And that's the message of the Bible. That's the message of the gospel. The message of the Bible is that you are a sinner. You are weak. You are selfish. You are self-absorbed. I am all the same things as well. But Jesus gives us life and gives us freedom. And he takes away the penalty of death that we all deserve. And how did he take away the penalty of death that we all deserve? Look at what he did. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. So every sin, every sin as a believer that we've committed in the past, that we're committing in the present, that we one day will commit in the future has been nailed to the cross. Jesus came in human flesh. And he allowed himself to be condemned, even though he was without sin, so that you and I could be free. It was a a substitute, substitutionary atonement. Jesus substituted himself for you and me so that we can live free lives under a new law. Under a new law. See, the law could not free us. In fact, the law did two things. Number one, it exposed our sinfulness. And number two, it ignited us to be more sinful. It exposed our sinfulness. It showed us the the Ten Commandments, shows us how sinful we are. Thou shalt have no other gods before us. He's not just talking about statues. He's saying he needs to be the most important priority in our lives. All of us have failed there. Thou shalt not murder. Every single one of us is a murderer. Jesus says that murder isn't just killing someone physically, but it is using our words against our brother to harm them. Thou shalt not steal. Every single one of us have stolen. If it isn't something from work, we've stolen somebody else's idea and took credit for it. Amen, somebody. Shake your neighbor and say amen, amen. The law... Weakened by the flesh, our flesh hears the law, sees the law, and rather than being driven to love God more and to cherish him more, we either go into a state of guilt and condemnation without Jesus, or we go into a state where we lie to ourselves and start living hypocritical lives by ignoring our sin and trying to make God fit into our agenda. The only thing that frees us to love God is God's grace. The Bible says that God has done something for us, that God's spirit has captivated us, changed us, and rearranged us in order, in order that we can live free from condemnation. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according 
to the spirit. What is the righteous requirement of the law? The righteous requirement of the law, um, as we see in Romans, is, is, is to love God with our heart, mind, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what the law boils down to. He says that that is fulfilled in us, that that may be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh. So Jesus came and died for us in order that we can look to his example, in order that we can be empowered by his spirit to be the type of people that God has called us to be. Not people who live in bondage to the flesh, but people who live free in Christ and free from condemnation. The second thing that the Spirit does is not only does it free us from condemnation, but we see that the Spirit gives us a focus on spiritual things. The Holy Spirit gives us a focus on spiritual things. This is the meat right here, number, verse number five. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Paul shows us that there's two types of people. There are people who have set their mind on the flesh. What is the flesh? The flesh is the sinful nature, the, self, the selfish nature, the old nature for those who are in Christ. The things that we like to do that we know God is not pleased with. He says that those who set their minds on the flesh, they end up living lives in the flesh, which lead to death. Two types of people, the person who sets their mind on the flesh and the person who sets their mind on the spirit. Those who are outside of Christ, they cannot focus on spiritual things because the Holy Spirit has not come and given them a new heart. Their life's pursuit and focus ends with themselves. Even if they're the greatest philanthropist in the world, if they don't know God, at the end of the day, they do what they do so that they can feel better about themselves. Even if they have false humility. Two mindsets. The mindset of the flesh. The mindset of the spirit. The mindset of the flesh is driven by the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. The flesh, are, are, are who we are outside of Christ, all we want to do is get paid, laid, and throw parades. We want to get paid, laid, touch a neighbor and say, and throw parades. And the parades we want to throw is for ourselves. Me, myself, and I. Everything is about me. It's about my time, my schedule, my pursuits, my happiness. A mind that is just set on pleasing self is a mind that is hostile to God. Outside of the Spirit, we all were there, and outside of the Spirit, some of us in this room are there now. A Christian is a person who sets their minds on the Spirit, on spiritual things. What is the Spirit? We set our minds on the things that pertain to God and His kingdom and His way. And that's not a thing that you just do on Sunday. You can have a mind focused on the flesh and be the most faithful church attender in the country. You can have a mind that is focused on the flesh and come to Bible school, Sunday school, and, and, and even and preach. 
A mind that is focused on a spirit is a mind that, that cherishes Christ. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, set your mind on the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Look at your Bible. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So even for those who say, well, I'm a Christian, but sin is constantly defeating me, and I do this habitual sin, this is kind of my sin, and if God wants to help me, he will. The Bible says that the reason uh, why you are not free in the spirit is because your mind is focused on the things of this world. Verse number six. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. By death, what does he mean? Those who have lived their lives focused on themselves and living for themselves, living life for their own convenience, one day when they, they die, they're going to enter into another death, which is hell. They are still under the, the penalty of the law. Their, their sins have not been forgiven. You are condemned by God. And you should live in guilt and shame. Because you're apart from God. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16. This is almost like a parallel passage. Look at what Paul says. Talking about the difference between setting our minds, focusing our minds on the flesh and focusing our minds on the spirit. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. <laughs> the flesh is often things that we want to do. But do you see what he says there? He says, but I say walk by the Spirit. He's saying the same thing in Romans. Focus your mind on spiritual things. Focus your mind on Jesus. Focus your mind on his kingdom and his business. Focus your mind on sharing the gospel. Focus your mind on, on growing to look more like him. Focus your mind on prayer. Focus your mind on what he's done for you. And the desires for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. What are the works of the flesh? How do we know if our mind is focused on the flesh or focused on the spirit? He says, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you a list of things. Look at what he says. Sexual immorality, that is sex, any sexual activity outside of marriage, as well as homosexuality. Amen? Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery means constantly trying to be in control, like witchcraft, enmity a heart full of hatred and anger. Jealousy. Always jealous of people, thinking that you deserve the life that they have. 
Fits of anger. Man, throw a fit and you're driving, you are focused on the flesh. Fits of anger. If everybody would just leave me alone, they wouldn't come under my wrath. Touch your neighbor and say, flesh. That's the flesh. That's the flesh. Your mindset is focused on the flesh, focused on self. Strife, constantly embittered at people. Dissensions, always divisions, envy, drunkenness, pornography, I mean orgies. And things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's, let's sit in that for a minute. Some of us in here, we come to church over and over, week in and week out, but we don't allow the word of God to change us. We only allow it to change us if it's for, for our own personal benefit, or if it doesn't require discipline and work. And a person who has lived their life, their, their life, when they look back on their life, that is the testimony of their life. They never knew Jesus. Never knew Jesus. Was church, but wasn't Christ person who lives their life always divisive, always having problems, they probably don't know Jesus. Listen, I'm going to go somewhere. When we allow a sin to set up camp in our lives and okay that sin, it's probably because we don't know Christ. This week, a guy by the name of Jason Collins came out of the closet. First pro athlete um, who, while active in the NBA, um, comes out and he says, I'm gay. Um, homosexuality is a sin. It is a sin just like sex outside of marriage is a sin. It is a sin just like lying is a sin. Um, I love homosexuals just like I love those of you in here who are shacking up and having sex outside of marriage. Just like I love the person who is uh, 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 not, not trusting God in any area of their life. But homosexuality is a sin. Amen. Jason Collins comes out and he, he says, I am a homosexual. I've done everything I can to change and to hide it, but this is just who I am but I'm also a Christian, but I'm accepting the fact that I'm gay. So you have people that are going there saying, a Christian, you can be gay, openly homosexual, living a homosexual life, and defining yourself as a homosexual, and telling people that you have to accept me this way, and God still accepts me into his family. Uh, people are saying that, that, that that's okay. You got Christians that are saying that's okay. That's not what the Bible says. A person who is focused on the things of the flesh, that's what the text says, they cannot please God. A person who accepts a sin and says, this is just the way that it's going to be, 
And you have to accept me as I am, as a person who does not know Jesus. Because God defines what's right and what's wrong. God defines what is sinful and what is righteous. And when a person focuses their attention on themselves, they are going to love things that God does not love. Because our flesh leads us away from God and not to God. But Jesus has come to free us. The Holy Spirit, the supernatural power of God, indwells a Christian. He frees them from condemnation, and he gives them the power that they need to focus not on their sinful desires, but on the things of God. And as they focus on the things of God, God changes them. Point blank. He may not do it all at once, but he changed them. A Christian is a person that says, you know what, I struggle with homosexuality. A person, when they come to Christ, or they struggle with anything, I struggle with with fornication. They say, I struggle with it, but I know it's wrong, and I know that Jesus can heal me. And he can give me new desires. And he can give me new taste. Look at verse number seven. I'm sorry, verse number six. Those who set their mind on the flesh, that's death. Throughout this passage, we see the word death or dead over and over again. God is warning you, it is death. But those who set their their, their mind on the spirit, they have a life of life and peace. There's so many people say, I just want to have life. I just want to live in peace. I just want to be happy. The only way to find true happiness is by putting your mind on the things of God, focusing on spiritual things. It's not by indulging in things that that God has condemned as wrong. Verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot, for those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Hostile. So the brother that I'm praying for and I'm praying that God would truly save, what a testimony that will be, and we need to pray for Collins. Even though he's sitting there and saying that God is love and I love God and I love everyone, his heart is raging against God. Your heart is raging against God because God is not okaying the lifestyle that you want. We can pamper it, we can flower it, but one day that's going to be revealed. Paul says on a day of judgment, we are all going to stand before God, and those who are not gods, they are going to be enraged. I I can just see that day when Jesus returned, and those who have lived with their minds focused on the flesh, on their own lives, they are embittered and enraged at Jesus. As every knee bows to him, they are cursing him and swearing because their heart has become so hardened, and they've become their own God. We all become Satanists on a day of judgment if we haven't put our faith and trust in Christ. Let me show you an illustration, a picture. This is taken from Joshua Harris's book, Dug Down Deep, and it's called Feeding the Flesh. Kevin's going to pull that up for us. Feeding the Flesh, all right? This is a cartoon, a little picture. Of, of what it looks like to set, when we set our minds on the flesh rather than on the spirit. All right. 
When we set our minds on the flesh rather than on the spirit, uh, before Christ, this is all of us, we are enchained to our own desires. Our flesh owns us. When we really want to do something, we do it. We may go back and forth, but we do it. And look at the flesh. He's happy. Uh, yeah. I'm in control. I run this. But when we find Jesus, we find freedom from the flesh. The Bible says that we are no longer enslaved to our own sinful and carnal desires. Which means that we're no longer friends with that old man. And the old man is, is constantly trying to come back and to convince us that the party is over here and that it's better off over here, but when we become saved and we see that it's wrong, we say no. Then we fight. Especially when we first get saved, we fight. We do everything we can. We're poking him. He's coming back. We're fighting him. But after a while, we get tired of fighting many times. And we begin to befriend that old man. We begin to throw a party for him. It may not be a public party. Look, it's just these, it's a personal party. We live in our own little worlds, petting our sins, saying that it's okay. And if God really wanted to change me, he would. And look at our flesh. It's okay. You're still a Christian. It's okay. Everybody does it. Just nobody's telling the truth. It's okay. At least she thinks you look good. At least you're being gratified. It's okay. Those lies ain't hurting nobody. It's okay. But this is what we need to do. We need to starve the flesh. He's going to keep coming back, but we need to not feed him. But some of us, the reason we're not having victory is because we're feeding the mess out of that mug. Yo, that joint, we got a buffet out. We feed the flesh by what we watch on television. We got five or six shows where there's just nastiness, drama, shadiness. We feed it by what we listen to on the radio. I'm not saying that, that secular music or secular television, that we can't ever watch it and, and keep an eye to the streets or, or listen to secular music, but 12 play? For real? You listen to 12 play, you're not married, and you're trying to figure out why you keep falling. Trey songs, really? I don't know why I keep every time he calls. I can tell you why. That flesh is full, ready to bust. Well, I just prayed that the Lord would give me a new attitude. You want a new attitude and Lil Wayne is your main source of information? Touch your neighbor and say, what are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh or are you feeding the spirit? We're going to stop right here. We'll pick up the next, next week. But are you feeding the flesh or are you feeding the spirit? 
What the type of people you hang around? Blessed is the man who walks happy. Blessed, Psalm 1, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in a seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the word in which he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yield its fruit in its season, and his leaves shall not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so. They are like chaff, blown away in the wind. Listen, David said the blessed person, the happy person, the spiritually prosperous person is a person who is not making their bed with people who don't love Jesus. People who are in the world, yo, I'm in it, but who's not of the world. John says that if you love the world, those who love the world world hate God. Be in the world, but not of the world. What does that mean? That means that, yeah, I, I chop it up with people that's lost. Of course, I love them. The Bible says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. Christians, we should be friends of sinners in a, in a sense that we are befriending them in order that we can show them what true life is like. Not so that we can just be mutual buddies and allow them to take us to their world. No, we're befriending them in order to show them love and Jesus to bring them to ours. Jesus has the power to break any sin. And if you are entangled to any sin, any sin at all, It is because your mind is focused on the flesh and not on the spirit. Today I want to offer you life. I want to offer you life by pointing you to the one who gives life, which is Jesus. I want to call you to stop petting your sins and stop lying to yourself and telling you that everything will be okay by pointing you to the one who became human in order to die the death that you deserve on Calvary's cross. I want to point you to the one who allowed his body to be ripped open, the one who was mocked, flogged, and beaten, the one who was nailed to a cross, in order that he would die your death. I want you to run to him, to trust him, to say, Jesus, I need your help. In the flesh, I can't please God. My heart is hostile to God. Give me a new heart. Give me a new desires. Give me a new life. Show me that your word is true by freeing me from this bondage. Holy Spirit can do that if you cry out to him. If you cry out to him. Force, let's not live in the flesh. Let's live in the spirit. Let's enjoy the freedom that God has given us, and the life that we have through his precious son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Father, you are good, and we thank you for uh, your word. I pray, Father God, that you will help us to not live for our own advantage, but to, for your advantage. I pray for that person who is entangled in sin, who is believing Satan lies, over and over and over again that you would free them today. Help us, Lord, to love your son. Help us not to be afraid to stand against the world and to say wrong is wrong, right is right, 
Satan is Satan and Jesus is Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to be under a new law, which is the spirit of life. In Jesus' name, amen.